Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. The long-awaited interview with Seb Coos. We get into his goals for this year. What was his hardest ever stage race? As well as some other interesting topics like what's the development pipeline like for riders in North America currently as always, this show is supported by our show partner, Zwift. We have had a hectic recording schedule of the last couple of weeks with the previews and the start of the season. I'm actually about to hop on Zwift now. We just recorded the UAE team preview. And we have last call, our first ever LRCP Zwift group ride this evening, 6 p.m. UK time, 7 p.m. Europe time. But if you miss it, don't worry. We have them every Tuesday throughout February at the same time. So I'm sure we'll see you there on Zwift at some point. Welcome to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Sepp Kuss, one of the best climbers in the world, recently off his Tour de France stage win in Andorra, uh, where I now also live. I remember that day, which we'll talk about in this podcast sep busy off season how is your off season differ from say a wout van art who's trying to prepare for classics are you have you still got a big block to come or are you now into stage racing coming up in two weeks um i think for me uh well first of all <laughs> thanks for having <laughs> me on the, the show patrick um but uh yeah i think it, it still feels like a few weeks away, the, the start of the season and everything. Um, but I, I still do have quite a bit of time. I don't start till end of end of February with some, some one day races in France. Um, and even starting then it's, it's still a more or less relaxed approach. So, um, for now I haven't thought too much about what's coming, just, just getting the, the last good weeks of, of training in and then, from there, it's actually pretty busy. So, yeah, I mean, I looked at last year. You did two of Welta, <clears throat> and you often do you do a lot of stage racing. I swear, you must have been out of home like ninety percent of the year, going like Dauphiné <laughs> altitude altitude camp, Tour de France. When is your break? Do you have any break throughout the year? Is it sort of before the Dauphiné, and then once it's Dauphiné, it's just a full run of three months of racing. I think last year it was, yeah, around that time, um, a bit before, actually it was, it was in between Catalonia and, and Roman D last year, which was kind of a, a awkward time to have it. I think this year I would rather push it further back, um, sometime after, after Roman D just to be a bit more fresh before the tour. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, now that you say that it, it is a lot of, <laughs> a lot of racing and a lot of days away from home, but, um, I think each, each race that I did, there was a lot of space in between. So I, and most of that time I was, I was home and, and could do the, you know, training and, and just be comfortable at home. But, uh, you're right during the time, I think it was before the Dauphiné. Then Dauphiné, and then in between 
that race and, and the tour, it was a lot of, of training camps and, and a longer stretch away. You just mentioned that you're doing a couple of one day races. I was looking before you did, did you do Emilia or Lombardia? I think you did uh, an Italian one day at the end of last year. Uh, last year I did uh, Emilia and um, Milano Torino. That's right. You yep. hadn't done a one day race, I swear, for like two years. <laughs> was that just the way it panned out? Because you needed to be often matching primos in stage races. And, and I was thinking, then I was thinking, I was like, your best results have come on the hardest mountain days. You haven't won on like a Jebel Hafeet, just 120 watts, then a 20 minute power test. Like Dauphine stage five, really hard. Vuelta, super hard. And Tour de France, hard multi mountain stage. Do you think, yeah, why is it that you haven't done a lot of one day racing? Is that something you want to do more of, or is it just, and do you think you can be good at it? Like, I know you didn't go to the Olympics, but a course like that or Lombardia, do you think you can be competitive at them because you descend well too? Um, I, I'm for sure I'd like to be, but um, I, I think, uh, yeah, to answer the first question, a, a lot of it comes down to just the, the scheduling. And, um, I, I think naturally I'm, I'm more of a stage race guy, um, whether that's a week or, or three weeks, whatever. Um, and so that, that was always my normal fit. And we have a lot of guys on the team that are really good for the, the one day races, especially the ones in the, in the spring, which I've, I've never done. Um, but I, I think a lot of it also is, uh, you know, even at the beginning of a stage race, I never know exactly how oh, I'm really? going to feel. I never know how to set myself up for that one day and know with, with a good percent chance, like, okay, I'm going to be, uh, good today. Um, but it, it's for sure something I'd like to experience more. Um, and so it's, it's nice that I can do a bit more of that this year. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, all my best results have come, uh, either later in a race or on a stage with a lot of hard climbing. Um, which is actually funny because before, at least when I came more straight from mountain biking background, I was more of the guy that would could handle a super easy day and then one effort at the end. Um, and I think now as I've developed a bit more, it's, it's, maybe a bit more the other way around where I need a bit of a harder day, but, uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> a nice flat stage. And then one, one 20 minute climb at the end. Uh, yeah. A few years ago would, would be right up my alley. I mean, to be honest, you're still like pretty good at them. Like usually go up against Yates and Pagacha and like Adam Yates. Yeah. He hasn't, isn't won a grand tour, but like on a 20 minute climb after an easy stage, he's actually pretty lethal, um on yep. those sort of climbs. But even were you surprised on Valdepeñas de Jaén, the stage finish there, the the real like 1k 11% climb in the Vuelta, the Primoz one, when you did that lead out? Because that's that's one of the punchiest things I've seen you do. Was that was that just good timing from you? Because I know you hit the right hand corner really fast and undercut him. Was it like really good power or you just right place, right time, good timing? I think for that climb, it was more just because I was at the front and, <laughs> and could, uh, yeah, because the the corner that you're talking about, it was 
if I remember correct, it was a pretty slow speed corner and, and then it's just the full, uh, accordion effect. So if, if I came out of that first, then that probably, I mean, it's also hard to say, cause I think right after I finished or before I even finished, then, then Primo's came over the top of me. So it's, it's hard to <laughs> compare it when you're, when a guy like that is, is doing the, the same effort. Cause for him, it's, 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 uh, like like double the speed <laughs> his three minute power is okay uh like flesh yeah we record yeah but yeah, no, yeah did you just talk going sort of honing in on that welter and i'm thinking about that there how much do you think and you're one of the only riders that sort of does this lopez had a little bit too where he was riding a bit for mass well actually quite a lot of times for mass but then protecting his own gc how hard is it or how much does it take out of you when you're doing an effort like that? And then you, I presume you're still riding then as best you can to finish that to, like you, I presume you didn't just stop and do 180 Watts for the rest of that climb to protect your own GC. How much time does it cost or did it cost you think across the three weeks? Um, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah, like you said, it's not like I, finish the job and then go as easy as I can to, yeah. to the finish in those situations. Um, and, and normally I'm, I'm far enough into the, into the last few Ks that it's, it's not uh, a crazy effort to just make it to the finish at whatever speed. Um, but I, I think for me, it's, it's different because as, as if I know that I have a job to do that day, then, then my finish line, is a bit shorter <laughs> yeah. if you will. So me mentally it's easier because you say, okay, I, I do my, my best to this point or to the point where I can't, um, you know, follow whatever move there is that, um, for, for me to do, do my job or, or I just do it to the best I can here and then make it. So, um, I, I think that's the difference, but yeah, it's, it's really hard to say how much, time I, I would lose, uh, here and there. I mean, maybe in the end it would be the same amount of time because it's, it's the def different mental, mental approach to the, the final. Do you feel any like pressure or like anytime you ever mention I'm targeting GC at, um, Catalonia, like Vela news or someone or an American outlet will be like Sepkus <laughs> next American GC, like it, I don't know that they, they obviously every, every country wants to have like a GC hopeful um, and you're the best American for climber and probably GC rider right now. Um, like where, where does that stack up for you in your priorities? And then there's the team priorities with Primoz, you know, and Jonas for the tour where you're like, okay, on the, on your day, you're like top three climber in the world. And then, but then you got to do all the TT work. Like in your mind right now, where does GC rank in your like goals for this season? For me, it, it ranks actually pretty high just because um, I think from a motivational standpoint, that's, that's where you, you get the most out of yourself training wise, uh, approaching the race, uh, being focused during the race, it's, it's for me, at least it's good to approach it that way where I think, okay, I'm, I need to get the, the, the best out of myself at, at every, 
um, facet of, of the race. And then from there, you know, I, I know that in, in some races it's, it's, it's not realistic where you have a bad day and you're not in the picture anymore, but at least from the onset, that's how I like to, to approach things. So for me, it's, it's motivating to do it, but at the same time, uh, that's, that's not all there is in cycling. Um, and, and for sure the, uh, you know, in the U S they, they want the next, uh, uh, Lance or whoever and, and the, the cycling fans in the U S also really, you know, a, a GC rider is more tangible to them. That's, yeah, that's yeah. something that's okay. Yeah. I watch the tour once a year and, and I know who wins the, the GC, but the, the one day races or, or a, a stage win from the break, that's maybe not as tangible to the, the general audience. So that's um, what, that's what we're always thinking about. Like we look at a rider like Lutschenko and if we're doing a preview for a grand tour, me and Benji are like, okay, he can come eighth or seventh or something at the tour at best. Um, but we know Lutschenko can win a state. He won a stage in 2020 from the break. Like what's the, what's the trade-off? Um, and for Astana and him, top 10 at the tour was like, that's what, they want more almost more than or no much more than a stage win um will you ride differently do you think because i don't know sometimes when, when you've been you've, you've gone for stages with a really good approach where you're like i'm over the stage and i'm going to put all out to actually win the stage if you can't win the stage you know you, you'll sort of die trying almost whereas you look at other riders like Kelderman or Valverde who even Valverde sometimes rides a bit more conservatively to not go like over his limit. Will you be less aggressive? Do you think in one week races, particularly this year, not following moves to sort of maybe protect like a top five position on GC, or you still just lay it on the line, like on her feet or Valter 2000 or Portenay, whichever it was. Uh, I no, It's a, a good question actually, but I think for me, uh, that that's the other thing. I don't want to lose what I, I like about racing just to be a GC rider. I mean, for me, um, uh, to be successful as a GC rider means actually being on the podium or, or winning, uh, a, a week long race or a three week race. Um, but I would rather in, enjoy the race uh, try and win if I can, then just, just be there consistently. Um, but on the other side, I think I also need to learn how to race consistently to, uh, know my limits more or less, because it's also how you win races is by riding within your limits at the right moments. Um, so I, I shouldn't approach everything as if I need to win or I'm going to win. Um, I think it's, it's both, but at, at the end of the day, I don't want to change who I am as a rider or how I like to, to ride just to get a top 10. I think on the team you're on as well, like you're not a team that needs the points to avoid relegation yeah. or anything like that. 
actually winning races is better than coming third or second instead of third on like the UCI ranking. So on your team, that, that makes sense as well. Um, mm-hmm. I guess. So we will see Sepkus GC at some point, <laughs> at some point this year. All right. And the TT bike, do you, I swear some, you fooled me in Romandy prologue and Vuelta. I thought, Holy fuck. He's fixed it. Like he was, <laughs> <laughs> you were got you. And the Romandy one was like, I think you were top 10 or something. Is it, is it a position like, have you been working a lot on the TT? I know Yumbo, you guys got really good expertise with it. Is that something that almost, if you fix that, you're automatically almost moving into like really like top elite GC contender range, like Jonas TT, like sure. Does his improvement yeah. on the TT give you a lot of hope that you can do that as well? Yeah, I don't know. I think the the short prologues, at least those two you mentioned, uh, like forty percent, it was just uphill and on the pedals. So that okay. that definitely helped my <laughs> my case. But um, actually, there was the the first TT in the tour this year. I actually, for me, it was okay. It was, you know, I I actually went into it and just tried to ride like uh fast but but easy and then i had a decent i mean nothing amazing but but right with a lot of the the good climbers so for me that was a good result the only one i've really had in a longer tt but um yeah i don't know i think for me it's it's just so different from my my climbing style and and my my flexibility and strength uh you know, it's something I still need to work on just in general is, is the seated strength, the flexibility and mobility. Um, I, I think that's more important than the the effort itself, at least where I'm at right now. Um, just to be comfortable on the bike. Cause when I'm comfortable, then, then I can, uh, do, do my best effort, but I think that's the main limiting factor. Right. Okay. And have they got a 3D model of you yet at the at the uni or I think they do actually. I remember doing some sort of some sort of scan uh a couple of years ago. Okay. But uh yeah. But I, I've done I've done track testing a few times, which was good because it was pretty uh realistic and you know, I could feel the differences in the different position and, um, yeah, I, I definitely have all, all the tools I need to, to get better. It's just still putting in the time, getting in the experience, getting in the mental state during the race, which is also important, I think. Yeah. And so pivoting away from TT now to a question about your peers and maybe yourself right now, who do you think are the top five climbers in the world? And that includes peak was per kilo on like a Jebel Hafeet easy stage. It includes like being able to do it after a long, hard day, like sort of Pagachas almost has no drop off after a hard day. Who do you think are the top five? Um, well, if, if I include Primo's and, and Pogacar, then, yeah, uh, that's, that's it. They're, they're, I mean, those are, lost. those are shoe wins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, let's see. Um, yeah. Lopez. Yeah. He's always, always good. Underrated. Um, I think, I think he's the best yeah. at 50, 50 minutes 
to altitude, I think he's almost untouchable. Yeah, I, I think, you know, so like on the shorter ones, he's maybe not as, he's a yeah. bit like me, maybe just not not always right there on the really short ones. But uh, yeah, he's super strong. Um, yeah, Yates, either either one. Sure, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, yeah. Um, You're not putting yourself in. I don't know. I I don't know where where I'd stack up. I don't know. Like I look at <laughs> I, I think at the bottom of the time, I think oh, all these guys are good. These guys are gonna <laughs> do something today. Who knows who's it gonna be? <laughs> I reckon you're being a bit humble there. I reckon on like a long, hard, proper mountain stage. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not on just like a a 15 minute or Milano Torino Superga effort. But like yeah, on. The Tour de France ones, yeah, it depends. Like, yeah, as you said, like yeah. you, and Lope, you and Lopez, when it gets to 50 minutes and altitude, like Colder de Lowe's, which he won, yeah. like Hamonetero was super long and steep. Yeah. Oh, was that Covadonga? I don't know which one. The one you waved to Primoz on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't, you improve there. But yeah, the Yates they kind of, but then Sunday's like, Yates was so strong on Velofique, almost too strong for Bernal, like putting him in difficulty in a welter on stage nine. And then on Hamonetero, which is like a steep climb, and he's like 58 kilos or something, he's struggling. So, yeah, he, he's another, it, it just goes show. Yeah. Well, what do you think that is? Is it is it almost impossible to pinpoint? Like, I'm, I'm sure you guys have smart sports scientists. You're always looking at the data. Is you you got your feeding you know, dialed usually. Is there anything you can pinpoint? Is is it as easy as I only slept six hours last night or I slept funny or I missed I missed a bit on two days ago and then lost like didn't refuel then. Like do you know what it is if you have a bad day when you can only do like only do like five point six for for eighteen or twenty? Uh, I I think for the bad day it's I think it's just little little things building up each each day to to a certain point okay at least in the you know later in the race um you know if if you have a a crash maybe it's not a a hard crash but maybe it's it's bothering you each day and then it it leads to one point or you know each day your nutrition isn't isn't really perfect then then maybe that culminates in in something um but yeah, other than that, I, it's, it's hard to say. It just comes down to the the individual. I mean, yeah, just speaking for myself, uh, you know, trying to taking care of everything. Um, and then, yeah, you, you, you can have a, a day that's, that's not what you expected. So yeah, tough, tough to pinpoint for sure. Yeah. I know. Like, and then some guys are just this, like not spectacular, but just, the same like almost yeah. every every stage yeah. um i wanted to talk about just u.s focused you came through like showing out at the tour of utah american race and mike woods i know not american canadian he he sort of showed himself to i don't know if they're called gum sharp or whatever they were called then uh cannondale at sort of tour of alberta etc tour of california is gone Tour of Utah is gone. I'm not sure what other races are gone. How does an American U23 get noticed by a world tour team now if they're not on Hargens? Yeah, it's definitely harder. 
I think um, from from the U23 side, uh, at least the way the, the sport is going now where they're they're scouting so much younger and and at certain races, um, if, if they're in a good setup where they're getting to do races in, in Europe and, um, and getting noticed there, then I, I think it's for them, it's still, it's still okay. Um, but they, they do miss then that, that showcase in the U S to, to go against, uh, the other good guys. Um, so I, I think that's for, for the younger guys, that's the, the only problem. And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's a matter of being on that, uh, uh, a national team or, or Hoggins Berman. Um, and from, from my own side, I was never in that pipeline as much. I, I just, my, my first year on the road was my last year as a U23. Um, so I did some races in Europe, with, with the U23 program, but they were my, my first races. I, I had, I was nowhere in the race. I, <laughs> it was just to see how hard it was basically. So I, I think on the other side, you can come from a lot of different disciplines and let's say you're, you're from the U S and you're doing uh gravel or, or mountain bike. That's also a big, big draw now for, for teams and, and recruiting everybody wants the next, uh, you know, diamond to un unpolished gym. So maybe they're drawing from those other, other outlets. So uh, for sure it's, it's not dead in the U S it's just a totally different, uh, uh, scene than, than in, in Europe. But at the end of the day, it's, it's still, I think most important to, to race in Europe. Did you though? You're on rally. When did you? Was it before the tour of Utah stage two, second on that stage up to Snow Basin that you were already talking to World Tour teams, or was that like you did that performance and then World Tour teams started knocking? Um, it was. It was before actually. It was in um, in Tour California. Uh, okay. Had had a few good days there, and and that was kind of the the first well yeah that, that was the the first real introduction to uh to the team that that's where i met uh grisha um, okay and and from there we were we were always talking and actually i think during utah they they still weren't sure um i'd already done some testing with them um but uh yeah i think the conversation started before that that's why I worry, as an Australian, I worry with the pandemic, the Tour Down Under hasn't happened properly at World Tour level for a couple mm -hmm. of years. Harold Sun Tour not happening with World Tour teams. Like for the Australians, it's either be a super elite talent who's just obviously going to get a World Tour contract because of his world's performance, like Lucas Plapp mm -hmm. or Luke Plapp. Or yeah, yeah you got to be on the track or something. But if you're just just that step below or maybe a bit of a – Maybe like 22, 23. Latecomer, yep. Yeah, you're not, you, you're not quite there yet, but, you know, you could be quite good. I worry for yeah. those guys. Yeah, for sure. And that, I think that's where all the, 
the hidden talent is actually, I think it's more in oh, yeah. that uh, bracket than in the, the 17, 18 year olds that have been training with the power meter since they were uh, six, you know, for me, that's not uh, where you want to get your, your talents from. It's, it's more in this bracket where, okay, this guy, he's, he's late to it. He was doing another sport, yada, yada. And then, and then for, for that group, they, they need those races, those good, um, uh, senior races to actually get noticed because they're not going to do a U23 race or, you know, so, uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that's the, the, the group that the absence of those races misses out on. And it's crazy when you hear stories about how guys like might get an introduction to a world tour team because they did well in a Strava segment and then someone sent yeah. it to a director and the director's like, Oh, that's pretty good. Like you bring him in for like yeah. to ride with us for a week. Like that stuff <laughs> actually happens. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not like football. It's not like, I mean, I know, are you a big American sports fan? Like of, uh, not, not so much. I, I'm, I'm a hockey guy, but, <laughs> oh, okay. but yeah. But like scouting in the US for you know football is just insane. It's a whole industry in itself. Yeah, yeah. Cycling oh, so it's different. Exactly. Yeah. I'll give I'll give a free tip to a world tour team. Paul Demol from Burkina Faso. Just write him down. <laughs> just write him. He's good. This, that guy's really good. Um, okay. Your hardest day in a race on the bike, a man who's won really, really hard stages. I want to know your answer because I have a guess. I have a guess, but I want to know what your hardest ever stage or race was. Um, well, I, I can think of a lot of hard days where I, I didn't do well at all. But <laughs> <laughs> true, yeah. If you if you if you do well, then yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't feel that bad. Well, I would still feel. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. I I think the hardest day, like where I just was suffering all day and 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 had to work for it was probably um yeah dauphine 2020 the the fifth stage yes was, my guess is correct yeah it was just super hot i mean i felt i felt really good but i was i was suffering absolutely the whole whole day and the only nice part of the race was the neutral start which was downhill <laughs> but they they didn't even neutralize well they neutralized it fully downhill and then we stopped at the very bottom and then went straight into a, a 3k climb so that was uh from from then on it was <laughs> absolute misery yeah <laughs> those who don't remember that stage the day before or maybe two days before primoz crashed out bookman crashed out there was a sketchy gravel descent like loads of people went down um Maybe even Kreuzweig, I can't remember. Yeah. And so GC was completely blown up. Primoz was going to probably walk GC. And so this fifth stage was just the not, it was one of the hardest stages 155Ks, Megev to Megev. It had the combination that this year's two or last year's two now, stage eight had of Rom and Colombier. But instead of being sort of in the last 30Ks, it was in the first 60 and the race just exploded. It, it's, I went and look at like the the kilojoules in the first three hours of that stage. It's just mental. That's why I thought it was the heart. I, I was hoping you'd say that because <laughs> the energy expenditure on that stage is mental. And Danny Martinez ended up winning winning GC. But yeah, I mean, I, I hope. I'm not sure if they finish at the, the Alterport near Megev this year in the tour. But 
is that, well, I've got you down for Col du Grenon. Is that too early? Is it too <laughs> early to put you down for a tour stage? Have you, have you looked at the stages in depth and circled any? No, I've, I've seen that stage. That one looks pretty, uh, okay. pretty impressive. <laughs> I, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I, I think the one to Majev though, it's, it's like, uh, not, nothing crazy though. So no, I don't know. Yeah. I think Sprint, you and Lopez maybe. for, for that Grenon stage look, look pretty good. <laughs> um, do you remember that Andorran stage? I remember cause it was like I was in the outback in Queensland. There was this hot <laughs> wind. I couldn't believe I never felt yeah. it before. This hot wind really went all the way from Spain up to where you guys came in at uh, the French border. When Quintana went to take the souvenir Henri de Grange at the top of Port Danville, and by the way, it's a huge, it's a big highway by European standards. It's a it's a huge road. Um, yeah. Were you like, there is no shot he stays away on this descent, fifty eight kilos. He's going to get caught. Yeah. No way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And but it, it was a nice it was a nice movie made because he was the only smart one that attacked at the right moment with the wind and everybody else was yeah flapping around in this because uh, yeah like you said the wind was I've never been there with with wind that really? that crazy yeah and that's up where Seps lived for a long time or just above where he's lived for a long time in Andorra but yeah Quintana there was a hairpin everyone was in the headwind and then went round and then you got tailwind for a, a little bit through his hairpin and Quintana just launched it. But going, so Wout brought Quintana back on that really, really fast descent. You're recovering. Did you, who did you think would be the main guys on the climb? I know Alaphilippe had done like a lot of work and then on Von two as well, he sort of faded. Was it, did you know it would be Valverde and Godu who'd be the guys to sort of mark early on Bechelis? Yeah, I think uh, for me, I was thinking Gadu because he had a lot of teammates there. They were okay. they were riding uh, the front the whole time, either to get him back in GC or because he felt good. So um, I, I think, yeah, he, he and Valverde for sure were the the guys that I was was looking at the most. And coming into Andorra, <clears throat> like the descent, you, you eventually gap Valverde, the descent into town. Did you like? Do you did you know that well, or is it the fact that it's not like training because they've got the whole roads closed? You can take different lines. Uh, I presume it helped to some degree being familiar with it. Yeah, it definitely helped to to know the road. Um, just in general, you know, yeah. if if there's anything that's super tricky, but but you're right. In in training, I'm not uh, really taking any risks. Just kind of cruising down. Um, usually still recovering from going up the, the other side. So uh, it, it, I, it would help me for sure to know it, but um, either way in a race, when, when you're going so much faster, it's, it's always going to feel a lot different. I think one other iconic moment for you this season, which was a, a nice teammate moment when Kovadonga Roglic has finished, is descending back. Did you two say anything to each other when you you outsprinted the the bunch for second on the stage when he descended back? Did you say anything or just smile at each other? No, he was he was yelling. He was saying, "Oh, oh really?" Go, go sprint. Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, well, this is this is embarrassing because he's probably like, "What are these skinny idiots doing sprinting up this hill?" I finished uh, five minutes ago. <laughs> 
yeah, that was crazy. That I think he, he got a lot of stick. I'll admit, I gave we gave him a lot of stick for the descent attack and the crash. Um, yeah, that then on Covadonga, he followed Bernal, and we were like, oh, surprising, but he sort of backed off Bernal. But that's, I think, that was the best performance of last year in my mind, in terms of just because that valley you were in the group with Haig and Movistar chasing. Surely mm-hmm. they they had some domestics pinning it, chasing after Bernal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for sure we went, I think Bahrain was pulling and we went super, super slow down the descent. So they they probably took a minute <laughs> on the descent. <laughs> 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 like really, but uh, uh, yeah, in the valley we rode pretty fast, but it was so rainy and and dicey i think maybe it was it was better to be two guys but for sure they had to put in a huge huge effort on that on that valley before the climb because it's always kind of slightly up right um but uh yeah i I think where where the the group behind lost it was for sure the descent (laughs) well that's what i think like there's a lot of like i don't i don't think master's a good descender um i saw that when he was chasing Roglic and Lopez on that stage team world. I actually think Pagach is not brilliant on the descents. Not brilliant like Basque Country when Roglic gapped him with Godou and then Lombardia Masnada caught him on the last descent. It looked a bit weird. I reckon that is one place where you guys at the tour can use Jonas and Roglic maybe to try on a descent rather than a climb. Anyway, that's my armchair. Armchair DSC. We'll, we'll, have, we'll give it a go. <laughs> have you got you to try it somewhere? As an occasional listener of to the podcast, do you have any parting words to us armchair armchair director sportifs that that we miss in the hectic mountain stages? That s- certain things that really I- influence things, or that we miss, like just maybe the head fog that comes with being five hours in that you can't make decisions properly. Yeah. I I think a lot of it is, is knowing the, yeah. What's going on for the rider. Uh, You know, like you said, the mental fatigue along with the physical, um, I think, and a lot of times either way on, on TV, even if uh, a guy is, is really suffering, they, they can still look, uh, capable of, of doing more maybe. And, uh, and yeah, we, we spend so much time on the bike that maybe we, we don't look like we're on the limit because we're so, uh, into that technique or focused, but, uh, it's, it's sometimes hard to make decisions like, like you would when you're clear headed yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and have, having more energy, but, uh, and also with, with things like race radios, I mean, most of the time when you're up in the last few K of some monster climb, there, there's no reception anyways. So you, you can barely, <laughs> or, or their feed there of, of the races is, is so delayed that they have no idea what's going on. So I think, um, yeah, a lot of the time people think that it's, it's some call from the radio or a bad call from the radio, but a lot of the time it's, it's just up to the, the rider themselves. Okay. I'll try and bear it in mind, but I'll probably will forget when me and Benji joined <laughs> di- diagrams of exactly the game theory of what the rider should have done. 
um, and what I should have exactly done. I'll bear that in mind. But thanks very much for coming on the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Sep, best of luck for this season. We already have you penciled for the Grenon stage win. You'll take Giro stage win next year. <laughs> then you'll have all three, then GC podiums. You yep. have plenty of time for that. Yeah, then, then I can relax. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then you complete it. Thanks a bunch, Patrick. It was really fun. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 